there are coaches who love the game and then there are coaches who love athletes. Welcome to the American Grown Podcast hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Mitchell Davis, owner of Warbird Fitness, strength coach at Warwick High School, and currently a doctoral candidate pursuing his PhD in health and exercise. Mitch, welcome to episode 66 of the American Grown Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yes, welcome. And uh, I don't know, are you a Star Wars fan? No, I'm more the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter kind of guy. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the reason I brought it up, I just I was like, oh, episode 66. There you go. Order 66 <laughs> in Star Wars, which is not a good thing if you're on the, on the Jedi side compared to the Sith. Or just nerding out there. But There you go. So you love Lord of the Rings? Oh, yeah. Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your favorite, yeah, favorite movie? Uh, I, all of them, including the Hobbit trilogy. I know sometimes that gets, uh, people kind of throw that under the bus a yeah. little bit, but it's just, they're great. You don't have to think, you know, it's yeah. a great hero story and, you know, all the different characters, all their strengths. Um, yeah, you can just kind of shut off and enjoy a great movie, right? Couldn't agree more. All the action and everything involved. And it is a good storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I guess people hate on the Hobbit because of, uh, the CG maybe. Yeah. 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 But still, I mean, if you got to watch them all of course. to really appreciate the story. Of course. Or read the books. Did you read the books? Uh, read The Hobbit in high school, rereading The Hobbit now. My wife's on The Lord of the Rings, so nice. when she gets through them, I'll start in. I'll start so, in. Perfect, yeah. yeah. So I did do some research um, yeah. on you, and, and like we are talking off air, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you were in the Marines. Yep. You were in the service. Yep. So I want to thank you for your service. Yep. Or, um, yeah, Thanks. I mean, do you want to... Care to talk anything about that, or uh, is that kind of out of order? We can go, we can go in order. Or? We can, we can get there. I mean, we can go out of order. It's up to you. Um, I can talk on it now, but it is sort of, kind of, you know, there's parts of, of my story of who I am now, and um, you know, as a father, as a husband, as a as a coach, um, that the Marine Corps definitely impacted. Okay. So yeah, then um, let's go. We'll just we'll just go into it. Yeah, and as we get through high school life after high school and stuff like that, you can. Let me know, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool, cool. So two more things before we really dive in. And again, off air, you shouted out the Peaky Blinders. Heck yeah. And for those <laughs> who don't know, show on Netflix, highly recommend it. Oh, yeah. The Shelby Brothers. Uh, fantastic, fantastic show. You know, it's what I like about it is just the camaraderie. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's, it's family at their highest and their lowest, you know? Yeah. And just coming together. Great action. Again, great story. My son, who's just born January 5th, may or may not be named after Finn. Hey, uh, had some congrats influence. on that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mitch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's our second. We have a baby girl who is uh, awesome. going to be, what, 17 months when this comes out? Awesome. So, yeah, two yeah. under two. Uh-huh. <laughs> My wife's like, that's two's in her contract. <laughs> two and done. So, yeah. So that's where we're at, but uh, and you have you have kids also. We have one, Wyatt. Okay, Wyatt. Wyatt yeah. yeah, oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, like uh, uh, Tombstone. You ever watch that? Movie? Yeah. So Wyatt Earp is one of my wife's favorite characters. Wyatt's just a strong name. So great name. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's my he's my whole life, man. Like he definitely. Uh, I'll get into this, but but he changed my life for the better for sure. Yeah. So definitely. Okay. So last couple questions, and we'll dive in here. And I yeah. thought this is interesting on the form. Yeah. 
you know, you had said, and I asked people three interesting facts. Yeah. Hope you don't mind if I shared. Yeah. So Let them rip. You're a big time cat guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Do you have a favorite breed of cat? Uh, just the mutts. We have three at home. We have Mike and Sully. They're brothers. No. Um, I got them when I was in college. So they grew up with a bunch of just drunk college boys. So they're the two friendliest cats you'll ever meet. When people come over, they're up on the counter. They want to hang out. And then we have George, who's about half the size. Uh, no one ever sees George so much so that, uh, when we went on vacation, I had one of my athletes who I coach take care of our cats a year goes by, uh, and he sees a picture of all three, and he goes, dude, when did you get your third cat? And I said, oh, no. well, it's been a couple of years. He said, oh, well, I only left food out for two of them. George survived. Everyone survived. But that's how <laughs> skittish and, and, yeah. and non-existent he is when, when people are around. So two totally different attitudes. So people who hate on cats, you just didn't have a cat that kind of was around people when it was yeah. run, young, Cause, right? Right, because if you got a, a good cat that comes out, they're almost like a dog, you mm-hmm. know? Like Mike and Sully, it's so crazy. Uh, small world. I know I've, I've said small world in like the last five episodes for the people that are listening, but small world, my last name being Sullivan, in yeah. high school, everybody called me Sully. There you go. And it was right as Monsters Inc. came out, being a bigger, <laughs> bigger guy. Yeah. And then my roommate, uh, who also went to Cedar Crest, we both went to Kutztown and did track, uh, his name was Mike. So it was Mike and Sully. Okay. You know? There but, you go. Uh, the reason I bring it up, my wife and I also have three cats. All named, one's named after Star Wars, Ray. <laughs> uh, one's named after Grey's Anatomy because we happen to be watching Grey's Anatomy. So that was Bailey. Okay. Uh, and then, or is Bailey. And then the other one is uh, Harry Potter, uh, uh, Luna. Yeah. So, yeah. There yeah, you go. The nerd runs deep in me, you know? Heck yeah. Um, but, Heck yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Now you have the same breakfast every single day. Yep. For the last uh, 15 years, uh, scoop and a half of vanilla protein in a cup of coffee, blend it up, and that's my breakfast. And that's it. That's it. Monday Damn. through Sunday. Um, I'm a man of routine. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of, of obsessive compulsiveness to me. So that's that's my breakfast. It works. It works. And I stick with it, right? Yeah. Don't, don't reinvent the wheel. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one, which I thought was great. Uh, <laughs> go the, on, say it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it. You're the world's most handsome trainer. Mm-hmm. Now, this is according to your mother. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's a joke. I think, uh, and, and we'll get into this. I think in my industry... Personal trainers, strength coaches, uh, we take ourselves way too seriously, um, and a lot of what we do is is others reaching out to us and and asking for our opinion, and, and we believe that everything we say is kind of the gospel. And somewhere along the line, I think a lot of us have forgotten to have fun. So um, it's it's always fun to kind of poke fun at yourself, right? Oh, like, for sure. I'm the world's greatest trainer, according to me. You know, I'm the world's yeah. most handsome trainer. According to my mom, hopefully my wife, but definitely my mom. So just a little bit of uh, lighthearted fun there. So yeah, yeah. Like I'm the greatest uh, podcast host, right? Like yeah, you know, there you, you go. Gotta have fun with it. Where'd you grow up? Give us a little bit of background. Yeah, so I grew up uh, in Lebanon. Um, I went to Elko, so we were that Shaperstown area. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, graduated uh, uh, 2008, so I was a track kid as well. Well, I was a soccer kid, but it turns out I was exceptionally good at track. So. I know one of your questions is about mentors, which which I'll get in, um, and the whole track soccer uh, sort of split was mainly due to a phenomenal coach I had in my life, and now here I am, 34 years old, and a coach myself. So yeah, yeah, I grew up in uh, in Lebanon, went to Elko, uh, went off to Bloomsburg, graduated Bloomsburg 2012, moved back home, and weirdly enough, wound up living right next door to my parents for seven years uh so when Wyatt was born that was great we had babysitters yeah two steps away that's real nice um and uh a year uh 
Thanksgiving, uh, a year from this thing, or geez, a year ago from Thanksgiving, uh, my wife and I had moved out to, to Lidditz. So now that I'm pretty embedded in Warwick, and also we just we just really love the town. And it turns out there's, you know, places to eat that are, you know, open past eight, which we didn't know in, <laughs> right. in Shaverstown, yeah, PA, Shaverstown. right? Well, yeah, for sure. So to go back to, uh, to high school, you know, soccer track, any other, like, did you do any football or anything like that? Or? No, like, I can people see you being like a wide receiver or a cornerback, maybe. <laughs> no, people always assume that as the strength coach, like you have to have a, a background yeah. in football. I didn't. I didn't lift weights in high school. Um, it was, you know, number one. That was back when weightlifting, especially at the high school level, wasn't a huge deal. If yeah. if it was, it was mainly for um, football guys. I remember as a senior in high school, I graduated 126 pounds, and I couldn't bench press 135 pounds, but. I was just good at my sports, and that's what I needed. I didn't need to lift weights to excel at my right. sports. So. Yeah, you didn't need to max uh, out 315, <laughs> you know, 315 on bench or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you went to Bloomsburg. Was that to you know, eventually get into coaching and, and strength and conditioning and fitness and things? No. So uh, my dad, again, I know I'm, I'm jumping ahead with mentors, but man, I am just so blessed to have the dad that I had. My dad is, is Batman, Superman. Um, and all of them all in one, you know, it's hard to talk about him without just being so filled with love and and joy. And so my dad, clinical psychologist. And so I grew up with a man who just loved humans and he wanted to help people. And so I remember in in second grade, we all had a, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a cowboy. I want to be an astronaut, (laughs) astronaut, chef, whatever. Mine was, I want to be a psychologist spelled terribly, but I wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted to be my dad. And so I went to Bloomsburg. I got my bachelor's degree um, in psychology. Now, when I was at Bloomsburg, um, a couple things happened. Number one, I went up there to run track. I got hurt and my coaches were not good coaches. Um, Okay. What events real quick did you run? I was an 800 guy. Okay. So I, was, I was a half mile guy. So you just made yourself hurt Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. for just shy of two minutes. So one of the agreements at Bloomsburg is anyone over an 800 meter runner was considered distance and therefore had to run cross country. So here I was as a soccer kid, never ran cross country, get thrown into a collegiate level running. And it's just hundreds of miles wound up with a plantar fasciitis uh and it got to the point where i couldn't get out of my bed in the morning without falling down the pain was that bad wow went to my coaches said hey here's the deal uh and they said cool go out for a light uh recovery run which happened to be 12 miles oh my god light 12 (laughs) mile run got back and you could barely stand up or get out of bed got back to my to my dorm room um called my dad and, and i said Number one, we got to get to a specialist. And number two, um, I'm done with track. Uh, it just wasn't worth it. And so I quit track and, and um, some other life events, which, which again, with the mentors, man, it's all coming back to the mentors. I got into the fitness side of things, and, and that's sort of what catapulted me towards learning about um, fitness outside of sport. So my life was you, you got your fitness through soccer or through brutal track workouts. And now all of a sudden uh, I'm in a weight room with these monster humans. I mean, you're in college, 18 to 22 year olds that are just filled with testosterone. And right. here I was like now 135 pounds, right? Oh boy, I'm like, right. man, I'm bigger Stepping than up. I was in high school. Yeah. Right. And then it's yeah. like, oh, oh, I'm still There's very, very small. Monsters out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, do you think had you had better coaches or not maybe not better but maybe more prepared coaches to uh 
you know, instead of just looking at you as a, how do I want to say, as maybe a number, you know, instead of an actual person, an athlete, do you think you would have stuck with, you know, cross country or stuck with track and everything? Or is it just like you're, you're completely done? Yeah, it, it, it all came back uh, to the coaches. And I, I don't know if it was if it was lack of trying. Uh, I just don't think that they were good at their craft. So I'll try this out on you. Um, okay, sure. Uh, you're, you're a podcaster, so you love to listen, right? Would you say that part of your job is to be a good listener? Yes. I would say as a coach, that is one of, if not the most important part of coaching. As humans, we're terrible at communication. I would we're agree. terrible at expressing but we're also terrible at listening. So I have two questions for you. Okay. Number one, what is your name? What is my name? Mm-hmm. Okay. Austin Sullivan. Okay. And number two, do you know what time it is? Do I know what time it is? If I look at my watch, it is 522. What did I miss? So it was a yes or no question. Oh my God. So, okay, here's yeah. my point. Oh, my mind's like blown. I'm serious, Mitch. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, of course I know my own name. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what time it is? Well, if I look down, yes. So, I ask that question to coaches all the time. Um, and as coaches, and, and someone in your position, mm-hmm. we're, as coaches, we're so programmed to be problem solvers. And an athlete comes to me with, with a question. Number one, we have to understand, especially younger athletes, high school, college, they're probably not very good at communicating. Number two, how much am I jumping the gun because, hey, time is money. Like, let's go. I've got other athletes who need something. And now, hey, I've got your question and let's move on. Most times, athletes are asking you something about nutrition when it's actually something about anxiety. They're asking about playing time, but in reality, it's, hey, coach, do you care about me? And so that's something I'm working on um, as an individual is being a better listener. If it makes you feel better, I failed that question. I was going to say, I completely failed that. I failed that question. No one has gotten it right. And so going back to these coaches in college, just having uh, those meetings with them, you could tell that they, they were there to fix the problem, which was an athlete on their roster was hurt. And what are we going to do come race day? And more importantly, what are we going to do come track season when we have a pretty decent 800 runner who's hurt now? Let's get him more conditioned. When I was just looking for someone first time being away from home. Yes, right. That's huge alone. You don't know anyone. I mean, this is, we're up there before school starts. And this is like the first week of school that I'm in this terrible pain. I've got like one and a half friends. And now I'm, I'm going to these coaches saying I'm in so much pain and they're trying to solve a problem that's not the problem. No, I get what you're saying. Wow. For all the listeners, now you know the secret. <laughs> uh, you, can be pre- you can be prepared for the test if someone asks you. I always say, because again, here at Color Tech, I do sales. And my thing is always like, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Hmm. And it's listening. You know, and, and like you said, I feel like just in general, humans are quick to try to problem solve mm-hmm. and get answers as quickly as possible. It's like, well, yes, I know my I know my own name. It's Austin. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's listening tentatively and you know actually comprehending what's being asked that that was really good i i like that a lot <laughs> there you um, go all right so you're like this is i'm done because you realize that 
it's it's not good for your your health, mental health, physical health. Mike and Sully are coming in at some point, or they're already there. So <laughs> not, at least, yeah, not they, quite yet. Not they're quite they're there about a year later. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, walk walk me through then the rest of uh, rest of college up at Bloomsburg Party School. From what I hear, I never visited, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I I majored in drinking and drugs. Um, so I won't uh, leave any suspense for for the, the the listeners. So I am three years sober. You know, uh, it's genetic. We know that, right? So so. God blessed me, if you want to, or didn't, I would say he blessed me with the gene of, of alcoholism. And, you know, although it was a loaded gun, I'm the one who pulled the trigger, right? Um, yeah. So Bloomsburg to me was just a bunch of drinking, uh, a bunch of drugging. Uh, but I also wound up having, finding a few really good friends who, one of them especially, uh, Kevin Greer, you know, he's he's been a tremendous support for me. Um he still drinks beers, right? And and he's he's just himself around me, right? If we yeah. hang out, he's not being that weird dude. But he also knows that I'm still, you know, you're always in recovery, right? So he's always checking in, always asking, and he's just so damn proud of me. So with all the bad of four years, uh, tremendous amount of good uh, in terms of finding someone who truly just loves me for who I am. So I spent four years at Bloomsburg, studied psychology, Weirdly enough, as much as I was into drinking and drugs, I also took studying extremely seriously. Uh, I was so passionate about psychology, and I was so passionate about one day, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to get my master's, or and, and then eventually my PsyD, um, and I'm going to be like my dad. Graduated Bloomsburg, came back home, uh, was enrolled in a master's program. Um, I was going to live at home and, um, and, and drive. And I'm out running on the track one day, and my old high school uh, history teacher, Bob Miller, who was the head football coach, saw me running laps, and he said, dude, like, you got big since high school. I said, well, that, that's what happens. He says, no, like, I'm impressed. What have you been doing? And I said, hey, I've, I've just been, uh, you know, working out and studying a little bit. And uh, he says, well, hey, I can't really pay you anything, but I need a strength and conditioning guy for the team. Would you want to come okay. be an assistant football coach? Uh, I jumped all over that. Man, was that an eye-opener. I can do psychology while being around something I'm so passionate about, which was fitness. Yeah. And I'm not sitting behind uh, a a desk or a chair and and listening to someone talk to me for 60 minutes. And so I go to my dad and I say, Dad, oh, man, I don't want to be a psychologist. My dad says, yeah, I know. Really? He knew. He, he, he and just, I said, I said what? Yeah. I, said, what? I, I said, I just don't think I'll be good at it. He's like, yeah, you wouldn't be. And I said, how do you know that? He said, I, I just knew. I, I know who you are. That's yeah. not. And I said, why didn't you tell me? He said, because it's not my life. And I'm not, wow. I'm not the one who's going to tell you where to go. So again, just another shout out. Like how phenomenal of a father is, is my dad. Not disappointed. Not pushing his ways on me. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I dropped out of that graduate program, went and got my first master's degree in uh, exercise science while I was out at uh, Elko working under Bob Miller. Uh, fun little side story with, you know, this is this is fitness, this is coaching, but it's so much deeper than that. It's relationships. Bob Miller was my high school uh, history teacher, uh, and then he was my um, boss, uh, and he actu- actually wound up being the best man at my wedding. Whoa. So how many years Full later? Full circle, yeah. Um, wow. So the dude, the dude showed me 
that there are coaches who love the game and then there are coaches who love athletes and and Bob Miller loves loves his athletes. And for those of you kind of local, I mean Elko Elko's decent at sports, but they're not a powerhouse. And so there's a lot of seasons of a lot of loss. And Bob keeps going back um, and he keeps going back for the right reasons. So I had Bob as a as a head coach for four years. Met a young man named Tyler. I'll definitely talk about Tyler. He deserves to be talked about. Eventually switched away from Elko as much as I love I love Bob um, and I love the Elko program the booster club just didn't have any money and at some point you got to start making money so actually wound up over at Palmyra um, with another man uh, named Shane Manny uh, he was hired as the head wrestling coach and Shane said my assistant wrestling coach is going to be a strength and conditioning coach I knew nothing about wrestling. He's like, you're now an assistant wrestling coach. Let's oh, wow. go. Thrown into the fire a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. I was over at Palmyra for four years. Um, I worked with the wrestling team, football team, uh, track and field team, and boys uh, baseball team. So I was there for four years. Um, I can get into that a bit. I was I was also simultaneously over at LVC as the assistant strength coach. So I kind of got to know that community pretty well. And then as of three years ago, I've, I've been at Warwick. So three high schools two colleges, a lot of coaches, a lot of influential guys in my life who um, have taught me a ton about coaching, uh, a ton about fitness, and none of it has to do with the best way to exercise. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. So if you don't mind, uh, you know, going back, because you, you covered a lot there, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and talking about, because I think it could, you know, if it helps one person, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the drugs and alcohol, why do you think you turned to that? Um, was it an outlet and, and, you know, congrats on being, you know, sober. Cause that's, yeah, I thanks. imagine not an easy thing. And I apologize when you came in, I offered you a drink, not, <laughs> not knowing, a not, not a knowing problem. Hey man, you don't feel no, like an ass, no. <laughs> but, but yeah. So if you don't mind talking a little bit more about that, you know, like you said, you met your, sounds like your best friend up there or someone that you're really solid with, yeah. you know, just kind of go a little bit more in depth on that and then we can get back up to where we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, if anyone's curious on sort of the genetic side of, of um, addiction, I would highly encourage everyone to read uh, Dopamine Nation. Um, that's a phenomenal read on, hey, why are humans kind of born the way that they are? Why are some of us addicted to whatever and some aren't? Um, so number one, I was just born with that gene, right? And so I learned later on that when I drink alcohol, I feel different than other people feel. I mean, I get that huge dopamine hit right away. And so it's just addicting. I wouldn't say I was sheltered as a child, but um, so I drank one time in high school, got caught one time in high school, right? But yeah. I was I was a straight a, a straight edge kid pretty much. Uh, we go to senior week, which is notorious for kids boozing. Of course, and, yeah. And I didn't have a drop of alcohol at senior week because I told myself, hey, like booze got you in a lot of trouble. Don't do it again. Yeah. You go off to college, you're on your own, and all my buddies drank. It was it was something to do, and so. I don't think, I not I don't think, I know, no one wakes up one day and says, I'm going to ruin the rest of my life, right? right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just compounding interest. And so, you know, what started as, you know, you can just kind of drink in college is post-college, I could drink and drink and drink and drink. Some of the best papers I wrote in, in my graduate program um, <laughs> that professors would email back saying, this is fantastic. Um, I was I was inebriated. 
Yeah. I just, wow. you know, it was, it, it turned into, Hey, I have to write a paper glass of whiskey. And then it turned into, Hey, I got to go mow the lawn. Here's this 9% IPA. Yeah. Right. Right. So right. it was oh, yeah. just a constant thing. And eventually it, 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 it leads you down this path of, of self-destruction and, and you just learn to hate yourself. And so I hated myself. And if, and if you hate yourself, you, you can't love anyone else. You know, I am beyond fortunate that, that, um, my son was born in April, that November. My wife said, it's the drugs and alcohol or it's your son. And so a lot of times people ask me, um, it took me one time to get sober. Now, the average um, amount of tries or attempts it takes an alcoholic to get sober is seven. Really? So for every person like me who is one, there is someone who has tried and failed 14 times. It's wow. Addiction is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've had several people reach out hey how do you do this how'd you do this um i was gonna ask how did you pull yourself like out of that you know it was my son will grow up knowing that his dad tried really hard or he's gonna grow up knowing that his dad did it and so man um (laughs) when you put it like that god put wyatt into my life for a reason i love my wife i owe my wife everything. She was so patient, so kind. I don't deserve to still be married to her. The fact that she gave me a second chance, um, my goodness, I am the luckiest husband in the world. But as much as I loved, love her and loved her, that just wasn't enough. And the day that, that she walked out of the house and she said, you get your one last goodbye. Wow. Looking into his eyes, man, it was... You know, if if this is it and I only get to be a part-time dad, I only get to see him on the weekends, I want him to know that I got through this, that I did this for myself, most importantly, right. but for him. And now, three years later, um, I get I get my wife and my son. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel bad for the guys and the girls who they don't have that thing in their life that it's like, this is it why it was it, why it is it. I will do anything for that little guy. And so it was such an easy choice. The days were hard, right? It was it was months and months of just driving home from work being like, man, I want a beer, dude. Um, but now, three years later, I mean, beer's the last thing on my mind. And so I, I couldn't imagine trying to get through that uh, without knowing that my son was there. Mm-hmm. So, so that's it. Wow. What's your wife's name? We, we uh, shot Jory. Jory. Jory, shout out to Jory. I mean, because again, you need that rock, right? Like mm-hmm. my wife Courtney, my father. I mean, they're they're big mentors, and and you have these people in your life, whether it's your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your grandma, whoever it is, you know, friends that are like just there for you no matter yeah. what, like ride or die, you know. Yeah. And they want the best for you. They'll do anything for you. I think if you have those people in your corner, life's a little bit easier. You know, yeah, for sure. Okay, let's let's catch up. I, I know it got deep there. And, yeah, this and I is great. You no, no, yeah, yeah, um, this is great. Like I said if we can help one person, yeah, um, you know, it, it changes the world. So yeah, let's keep going deeper, man. Yeah, let's oh, get as after deep as you it. want to go. Let's, let's go. Let's get after it. <laughs> this could be a three-hour podcast. Let's go. <laughs> um, but okay, so you're at Warwick. That's where we ended off. You're, you're yeah. So I went. I went. Uh, Elko, Palmyra, Warwick. Met phenomenal people LVC along the way. A little bit. Yeah, was at LVC, LVC for uh, two stints at LVC. Okay, yeah. so real quick, when did the mustache come in? Because I feel like every strength <laughs> coach uh, yeah. has a mustache. 
Uh, so it was uh, post Marine Corps number one. So Marine Corps, you know, you have to be clean shaven. You have to have the, the haircut. And so after that, it was like, hey, no one's telling me what to do. Uh, number two, it's the only facial hair I can grow. So I said, I'm going to rock with it. You are rocking so it. Yeah. It, gets, it gets pretty crazy. It'll curl up. Um, and then um, my wife is so patient. But about six months of it, and I mean, it's crazy. It, it, I let it curl up and, and get wild. And, and she'll just be like, ah, can you shave that? And so uh, for Mother's Day, I shaved it. Um, and then um, I had to, uh, for for my doctoral degree, you have uh, your dissertation. But the first part is a prospectus. And this is where you're going to your committee uh, and you're saying, here is my idea for a study. Here's all the literature I've done. Please let me do this. And my wife's like, maybe you should shave, you know, look a little more presentable, (laughs) right? First and foremost, I'm going to, um, it's online, but I'm at Liberty University. So Christian school, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's, (laughs) you, you have these, these, these doctors of health and exercise and, and they're always so put together and and you know they hop on and they have their polos or their button-ups yeah. and i'm in my work hoodie and just covered in tattoos Tats, she's yeah. like you know the more presentable you look the easy and so <laughs> shaved it off and so now here we are again ready to go Perfect. so yeah, yeah it's coming back and, and there'll be photos on american Grown podcast facebook and instagram because off air we're we're talking about again peaky blinders and yeah. you know Thomas Shelby, author Shelby, and John Shelby, and we we figured you're more of a, an author. Oh yeah, uh, Arthur yeah. with the uh, mustache and, and the hair. You definitely have his, his slick back hair. Yeah, yeah. I wish yeah, I had. Yeah. But that's beside the point. You know, I'm rocking the uh, Mister Clean look with there the beard. Go. So yeah, yeah. Um, let's not skip over then the the Marines. Is this a good time to sure. yeah. to segue into the kind of them and then yeah, go from there. Yeah. So uh, when I was still at Elko, either my third or fourth year there. Well, so yeah, so so this is why I left Elko, no duh. Um, my fourth year there, I was um, well. My third year there, I was also the assistant indoor track coach, and uh, again, it was, it was why because a lot of football players, if they didn't have another sport, Bob Miller says, I want you guys to be three sport athletes, go experience life, and so if they weren't wrestling or playing basketball, ran indoor track. Yeah. And so hey, let's take the strength coach and let's have him on the indoor and the outdoor track teams, so we have someone who can help us kind of year round. Um, and so my second year as the indoor assistant track coach, the head coach, him and his wife were having a baby, and he said, listen, the entire season is planned out. Just be the head coach. Oh wow. You don't have to do anything. Just show up to practice. Here's all the stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm young yet. I'm what, like 20, 23, 24. Like, I don't really know coaching. Yes. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, dude, I guess. And we're out of practice. It's indoor track, but you go outside as much as possible. We're freezing. And there's a kid who has, um, I'm sure you've all have seen it. It's the, it's the, it's the Marine, the blue, the blue Marine Corps um, shirt with the, with the red emblem on it. Uh, it's called a pooly shirt. And you get it when you, when you swear in. And a pooly is, is someone who uh, you're waiting to get shipped to okay. boot camp. So we go up to this kid and Coach Harrison and Coach Manny, two guys in my life that are were at a young age extremely influential, still influential to this day. Um, I had so much respect for the Marines and what they did. I went up to this kid and, hey, man, like, this is awesome. Like, th- what are you doing in the Marine Corps? I don't know. Well, like, what's what's your job? I don't, I don't know, whatever they tell me. Cool. Like, well, what do you want to do with it? Yeah. I don't know. It's just something to do. And from coach Manny and, and coach Harrison, just hearing the stories of, of death and dying and, and buddies that they lost either overseas or coming back home and losing the battle to their inner demons. I I went home and I just was sitting there. I have a perfect life. Everything is perfect. America is great. And I've done nothing. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't give anything back to my country. And I said, you know, now's a perfect time. You know, I didn't, didn't have a girlfriend at the time, met my wife before I went, uh, just because of all the injuries I had accumulated over the years. It was a long process. Took me almost two years to actually ship off to boot camp. Oh, wow. Um, and so I was, I was determined to go in and just go active duty. Bless my recruiter's heart. Now I was older, so we got along. He's like, do not do that. You're going to be with a bunch of 18 year old kids who've never experienced life. Just go the reserve route. So, um, went to boot camp. Went to infantry school. Uh, I'm a I'm a mortarman by trade. Um, met some phenomenal dudes there. Had some crazy stories. Uh, so I got to play, you know, part time marine as as we say. Um, had to go um, to drill uh, once a month. Uh, it was in the Marine Corps that I actually wound up really hurting my back to the point where. Uh, Doctors were saying, hey, you're going to have to get surgery. Um, it, it was a mess. So I was actually medically discharged from the Marine Corps, which was a huge catalyst for me to, to just fully immerse myself in what we call the evidence-based side of, of my practice. And so, um, you know, you're not just a personal trainer now. You're, you're, you're dipping into, I want to be someone who, who is a researcher and who is actually learning. And so um, that propelled me to go get my second master's degree in sports psychology. So now I'm blending the exercise science with the sports psychology is at that time where I actually hired, uh, my coach, um, shout out, Will, uh, Will's, Will and I are our best buds. Will yeah. lives in, in Colorado. Um, oh, wow. so he was a remote based coach. Right. Um, and so, uh, Will not to blow your head up anymore. Um, but <laughs> Will is the reason that I didn't have to go under the knife or, or whatever, you know, I had all these people telling me, you're never going to exercise again. You're never going to fitness again. Your back is destroyed. And in comes Will, who's a doctor of physical therapy and a remote based coach. He's like, nah, homie, I got you. Let's do this. And yeah. sure enough. And I was Shout like, out holy, to Will. holy, like, holy smokes, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause normally like, I mean, if you're getting a back operation, you're either an older person or, you know, it's, it's pretty, could be pretty severe. Do you remember what like happened just from, lifting mortar shells and again i don't know how heavy they are maybe they're not even that heavy i don't know shells aren't that heavy i think it was just um it was just overuse um i think it started in boot camp and then it went through infantry schools um i was never the strongest guy but um i will die for the task mm -hmm. and so when you go to boot camp if your drill instructor says you run hard i ran hard um i didn't know that there was the option to not do that i see what you're saying yeah uh we got to infantry school I remember um, as mortars, if any if any of us screwed up in infantry school, um, our task was to run, and you ran far, and it was it was probably 800 meters in total. It was 400 meters down to the fence where you know it keeps our base separated from the real world, uh, and you ran back. I remember one time I got back and just dang near fell on on the gun line, and uh, uh, Sergeant Spees he he goes he goes Davis, do you just really like running? I was like, no, I hate it. He's like, yeah. why do you run so fast? I said, because you told us to run fast. And he goes, hmm, okay. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, anytime yeah. it was, hey, we have to carry all of this stuff. You're all in. I You're carried like, all go. the stuff. And yeah. it was, you know, it, what's interesting is, is if you start looking at injuries in the military, the guys who get hurt are not the guys who are 
week, so to speak, because they're not carrying their loads. Yeah. Most time, the, guy, the guys that are getting hurt are the guys who want to be there, have a purpose to be there, want the brotherhood. And it's like, hey, if someone's not carrying the load, I'm going to carry it. We see that a lot in the Navy SEALs. The guys who wind up with the neck injuries uh, from carrying their boats Isn't are the crazy? guys who yeah. are carrying the load because someone else has decided, hey, I'm getting tired. I'm just going to, they call them boat duckers, right? They would duck away oh, from it. Wow. So yeah, so um, that that was that was my that was my Marine Corps. You know, I, the Marine Corps. What's a great way to say this? I hate the Marine Corps, but I love I love the Marines. Right? The Marine Corps makes you hate the Marine Corps just with all the policies and with okay. my you know with with getting medically separated. Um, it was just such a long drawn out process. You never knew what was coming around the corner. It was tons of paperwork. And so by the time you're finally discharged, you're like, oh, thank goodness. But then, but then you leave that final time. You're like, dang, like I'm gonna miss my homies, yeah. right? It's so it's like a brotherhood, I'd imagine. Yeah. 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 And, and to not have that anymore. Um, and I've had a couple vets and, and service members and active duty on the podcast, and nice. they've all, you know, said a similar thing. You know, it's it's when you get out, it's not the same. You know, sure you got your friends and family here, but it's that that tight brotherhood because you've been through shit together or whatever it may be you know seriously yeah. you you know yeah. yeah let's uh let's take a sip break real quick yeah yeah we'll pick back up you had mentioned while you're at elko and, and i don't i just don't want to miss it yeah you had mentioned a student or athlete maybe. yes tyler tyler yes yeah so i met tyler my first year of coaching he was uh, a freshman brought up on varsity because of his ability so not only was I his strength coach, um, his parents also hired me as a personal trainer. And so um, Tyler was just unbelievable. Um, how many high school athletes do we know that will wake up before school to go train? Oof, uh, many, and, especially and nowadays. He did, it, he did it as a freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. The kid would not quit. And I trained him all through high school, trained him all through college. Uh, he went to Bloomsburg to play football. Um at some point, I eventually um, stopped being a personal trainer at gyms, and I uh, turned our garage into uh, my fitness studio. And so Tyler would come to the garage. Um, Tyler had a, a goal of being, a, excuse me, a Navy SEAL. And as a coach, and especially someone who's gone through the military, I've had countless kids tell me they want to do something. And it's always like, yeah, you say that, you won't. And Tyler, right. at right. 14... Tyler said, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL, and he just never gave up on that. And so after his senior uh, year at Bloomsburg, he said, okay, we're, we're, we're all in. Um, I remember just giving this kid, I, I was just trying to break him. It would be like, right. hey, 5 a.m., you're going to go for a five-mile run. Go do it. And then lunchtime, you're going, and you're going to the pool, and you're doing laps. And then at dinnertime, you're going for your first workout. And, oh, by the way, at some point during the day, you have to go do a calisthenics workout. <sighs> Nothing would break this kid. He was the strongest athlete I've ever had. Um, he would hang clean. 315, like Ooh. high hang. Just yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, at 22, Tyler was killed in a car accident. Um, yeah, so Tyler, wow. Tyler wasn't just an athlete. Tyler was my younger brother. Um, and so when I decided to get sober, um, outside of my family, Tyler was, was the first person that, that I messaged the day before Tyler died. He sent me a text message and said, Hey, just checking in on you and the family. How are you doing? How's Wyatt? And so I love Tyler as a younger brother, not because he can hang clean 315, I love Tyler because he was all in on that relationship, uh, and I was all in on that relationship. Um, we were so close, hardest, well, other than 
getting sober, well, that was an easy choice, but it was hard to do. I had to give Tyler's, uh, well, I was honored to give Tyler's eulogy. Um, but man, getting through that, that 30 minute eulogy of, of who he was and what he embodied, man, was that tough. Um, and it had nothing to do with him being a good athlete. You know, I don't even think I, I, I touched on it. You know, everyone in the room knew he was a good athlete, but there was, there was teammates and, and people from the community that were there, uh, and just being able to share his story and, um, 22 years of life, how amazing he was and how much he accomplished and how many lives he impacted. And here I was in my thirties, um, not doing nearly the amount of greatness that he was. So, um, Tyler will live with me forever. Um, he's, he's, he's family. Um, I miss him every day, but, his story impacts young athletes. Um, I've, I've had the chance to speak. I spoke at Bloomsburg about him. Um, I've spoken at, at Warwick a few times about him and, um, man, it resonates with kids. So, um, Tyler, I love you. I miss you. Um, but thanks for being who you are and, um, wow. hope that your story keeps inspiring people. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, I'm going to have a sip also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, every time we think we're getting somewhere, we... <laughs> yeah, it's, again, bringing light to, to things that other people might be struggling with or going through. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's not easy. Wow. Yeah. So so where, where are we at now? We're at Warwick? Yeah, we're at Warwick. Okay. Um, I've okay. been at Warwick for three years. Uh, my head coach is uh, um, Bob Locker, not to be confused with Bob Miller. Um, my wife jokes around. She says that my best friend in life right now is a 65-year-old man, Bob Locker. He's a grandpa. Yeah. Um, my goodness, every single person I run into in Lidditz knows Bob and just the impact he has. It's it, it's unbelievable. This man has been coaching for 20, 20 plus years. He's been wow. teaching. But um, when you first meet him, you would you would be convinced that he's just this grouchy old man, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but the love that this guy has for his athletes is phenomenal. And so, man, you know, I know retirement for him is, is sometime, um, and coaching for coaching underneath someone else is going to be hard just, just because of number one, how close we've gotten, how much I love him. Um, but just number two, how much of, of an impact he's had on me and my coaching, um, and how I conduct myself as a coach. So, um, yeah, I, I love Warwick. I, I love my kids out there. They're great. I can share a couple stories with, uh, with, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll come up a couple of, uh, um, very um poignant stories of of what it truly means to be a coach um i would say over the last probably uh well since i started studying what i'm studying i've i've really started to understand what coaching actually means and what's cool is you know again i'm an evidence-based guy it's cool to see the literature and then all of a sudden it plays out in real life it's like oh holy shit like this you know oftentimes i can i can pull up literature to prove any point Mm-hmm. But then you could pull up the literature to, to prove my point wrong. That's that's what science is. That's what makes science so beautiful. Um, but to see all of this literature that I've collected and to put it down on paper and then present it as like, hey, this is what I'm an expert in now, and then go and live it. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, holy smokes. Like, this is legit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get into that because we're kind of dancing around your, your dissertation and, you know, going, yeah. going back to school. But your dissertation is focused on, yeah, correlates between – Coach and athlete relationship. Yep. Uh, and athlete satisfaction. Yep. And I've, I've I've always said, and I've said on other podcast episodes in the past that like my one football coach freshman year I had on the podcast, uh, Steve Lebo, Coach Lebo, phenomenal older gentleman. Um, 
he would just say some things, no filter, no filter, but great guy. And what what I always say say to people is like, you wanted to win for him, you know, you wanted to play for him. Yeah, he he really did care. He would joke around with you as an athlete during practice, but then he would talk to you afterwards. You know, how's how's school? How's how's home life? You know, things like that. And uh, you know, we we went undefeated that year. I don't know it's freshman football, but like, it was a great year. So much fun. Yeah. Years afterwards. Some of the coaches, uh, you know, again, good people, no problem with them, but I just don't know if they had, they, they didn't motivate me, let's just say. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of it is on the athlete itself, but I think we won maybe one game our senior year. Yeah. And again, those same kids in freshman year, undefeated, mm-hmm. you know, beat mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Warwick, Kenfield, you know, because again, Cedar Crest in the mm-hmm. same yep. district. So talk a little bit about that. Man, I think we, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack just a little bit to, to Please, get us up yeah. to where we are. So o- over the years, all of these coaches, you even said earlier on in the, in the podcast about my um, coaches out at Bloomsburg, were they that good? And then, well, they just weren't good at listening. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these coaches in my life that embody what it means to coach led me to where I am now. And so uh, in high school, it was um, Chuck Harrison. Um, to this day, I still call him coach. I can't not call him coach. Oh, yeah. That's um, what I get with my coach, 100%. Just talked about this on a, on another podcast episode. I think it's a respect thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's but a yeah. respect thing. So here I am, a coach myself. Um, I'm an adult, and I still, you know, when when he calls, hey coach, how you doing? Right. Yeah. Um, so when I got when I drank one time in high school, got kicked off the soccer team right before playoffs, and I was <sighs> devastated. And uh, my my soccer coach. Eh, whatever, man. Like that happens, right? Not a whole lot of support. My track coach never went to a soccer game in his life. Knew I was devastated. Came out, sat next to me. No judgment. He was just he was just there for me. And so we finally lost out of playoffs. So I'm never gonna be a, a playoff, you know, kid. Never gonna be a, a state level athlete. And he says, "All right, you want to be a state level athlete?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "Okay, you're just gonna do everything I say." Man, looking back, that is what a great coach athlete relationship is now as as an expert in my field, I look back at some of the stuff that, that coach Harrison had us doing and it was wrong, but I believed in him so much and I loved him so much. And I knew he loved me so much that placebo or not, it's going to work. If it's placebo and it works, is it really placebo? And so uh, guys in my position, we love talking about the science. We love proving like, oh, we know better and we pull out all the gadgets and oh, this is going to make you faster and stronger and whatever. But if I give you the world's most sophisticated program and you don't believe in it, you don't believe in me, you ain't going anywhere. Right. Versus if I give you a garbage program and you and I are tight, you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Coach Harrison was a huge catalyst in terms of seeing what a coach does yeah, he was my track coach, but I remember um, I would get home from school um, and my dad would say, man, Coach Harrison sent a really lovely email checking in on you. That's a coach. Yes. Um, I remember uh, he called me during senior week. He said, hey, I know you got kicked off your soccer team. He says, I'm not here to yell at you. I'm not here to, to, I just want to make sure you're okay. He didn't have to do that, right? And he kept up with me for years still to this day and so that's what showed me uh what a coach was and now here i am (laughs) being what coach harrison was to me your 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 coaching extends far beyond the wins and losses while also knowing that that sport is your kid's life 
right? So these kids on, on Warwick football, um, you know, we always, as adults, oh, it's, it's bigger than football. There's more to life, mm-hmm. not to them. And yeah. so how can you get on their level and show them that, that you know that this is their entire life while also sprinkling in life lessons and while letting them know, dude, I love you unconditionally has nothing to do with your status on this football team. Right? Yeah. And so that was Chuck Harrison for me in high school. Now here we are how many years later, uh, and I'm extending that gift to, to my athletes. Yeah. yeah, Like you said, too, especially the stage high school. Like, yeah, it's everything to win, right, to lose and stuff for, the, for those student athletes. And then to go the extra mile – I feel like a lot of coaches nowadays don't always don't always do it, and and don't get me wrong, everyone's busy, you know, family, you know, work. Um, but like you said, to have that coach send you that email or give you that call or text or check in on you, it goes so much further than just on the playing field. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so through my dissertation, looking at this coach athlete relationship, looking at athlete satisfaction, what is it? Seventy percent of of kids um, quit sport by the time they're in high school. Um, mm-hmm. how many kids are actually going on to play sport in, in college or beyond, right? Meanwhile, every year, it seems like we have more and more personal trainers, more and more coaches coming right. out. Yes. Uh, and, oh, by the way, more and more Americans continue to get obese every year. And so my opinion is we have to, we have to turn the finger in on ourselves. If there's more of us, if there's more certifications, if there's more coaches, yet we have more people getting unhealthy, chances are it's probably what we're saying and what we're doing. Uh, and we probably need to change the way that we're saying what we're saying. And so my role as a strength and conditioning coach, yeah, I want them to get bigger, faster, stronger. I will never use exercise as a punishment. We don't, we don't do burpees if you're late. We uh, don't run sprints if, if you're a great if, coach. Cause I feel like in the old days, I mean, oh, yeah. not old days, but I, mean, I graduated high school 2011 and that was it. You burpees or you're running up and down the hill and not just football. I mean, I did track yeah. and things like that, but it was, and even my wife, um, doing playing basketball, it was, uh, I don't know if you can call them this anymore, but suicides, you know, you would run yeah. line to line and yep. Somebody would eventually throw up and okay, coach is happy. Now we can go back to practice. But yeah, but yeah, continue. Yeah. Yeah. My linemen on the football team love me because we stopped doing conditioning because it's pointless. Right. And so number one, my goal is to keep them happy and healthy. And uh, spoiler alert for those listening, there's no such thing as injury prevention. We can't prevent injury. Um, that's just impossible. But as a coach, I can do things to make sure that I'm minimizing that risk. And one of them is just the biggest one is just overuse. They're kids. They're dumb. They're out playing. They're out doing stupid shit all the time. And they're playing a sport. And they have the stress of homework. And they have the stress of mom and dad. And they have the stress because girlfriend or boyfriend's mad at them. Yeah. Now I'm piling on suicides or burpees because they showed up five minutes late. Number one, I'm setting them up for failure. Number two, that kid is going to stop playing sport at the age of 18 and now their only memories of fitness is punishment. Mm-hmm. And so instead, I'm going to be that guy who I'm not yelling at you. Hey, you're late? Cool, man. I get it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of coaches. Oh, well, if you're too, if you're too relaxed, they'll just walk all over you. Mm-hmm. Not if you extend them love, man. If you let them know you love them um, and, and if you get to know them on a deeper level um, and you get to know what, what drives them, what motivates them, my athletes don't give me issues. They respect me because they know I respect them. them That's yeah. the issue. Coaches who say, coaches who say that if, if if you're too relaxed with your athletes, they'll walk all over you. It's because high school athletes are not dumb. 
they know when you don't respect them. They yeah. know when you're looking down on them. Mm-hmm. As soon as they know that it's an even playing field and it's it's just two brothers out there having a good time, man, they'll run through a brick wall for you. Yeah. You know, coach and athlete relationship. Yeah. And, you know, how important it is for, you know, coaches to say to an athlete, I'm proud of you. You know, I love you. <laughs> and where do you think you're – because you, you clearly have a, a passion for, you know, showing love to an athlete and, and supporting them and saying, Hey, I'm proud of you. Like, where do you think that stems from? Man. Um, you know, I think a big part is just, uh, the recovery journey for me is (laughs) learning to love myself. I think just humans need more love. Uh, I was also extremely blessed as a father who loved me unconditionally and the more I've been doing this, the more I realize that it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. There's a lot of young athletes who wake up and go to bed every single day without hearing the words, I love you and I'm proud of you. Or if they hear the words, I'm proud of you, it is only tied to sport. Mm-hmm. And so I'll keep his name out of this. Just don't want to offend his dad. Um, but I had an athlete on our last game this year. We did not have the season that we expected Last game, he came up to me. I knew we were close, but I had no idea the impact I had on him. Uh, you know, he's crying. That's of course you do that on your own. You know, oh my god, he's yeah. crying. I'm yeah. crying now because he's crying. Right, and he just gives me the biggest bear hug. Now he towers over me, biggest bear hug. He's soaking wet from sweat. I'm smashed into his pads. So what position, real quick? Line. It would be pretty easy to figure out, right? Oh, okay, okay, so understood. He's a stud. He's a yeah. stud at what he does, right? Okay, gotcha. Um, just biggest bear hug and he says he says coach you have no idea the impact that you had because you loved me and I don't get that at home and I can't thank you enough and I'll never forget you wow oh my gosh dude I mean I don't care how tough of a man you are I was just bawling like a baby like holy smokes this kid looking in on the outside you're like this kid's got it like he has everything and to know that he didn't have someone loving him at that level he's gonna go on and he's gonna do great things the rest of his life totally separate from football and hopefully he he has these memories 20 30 years from now and he whether he's a coach or whatever he is he's extending that love Yeah. yeah Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and it's, it's not always, it's not always, um, overt, right. Um, you know, for our, for our banquet, um, you know, each senior gives a coach a gift. I had an athlete, um, who gifted me a book, uh, because we talk about books all the time. We do a, a, my Jersey, your impact. And, uh, he picked me to, to, to give me his Jersey. And and sometimes kids, You know, you're close, but you have no idea how much they love you. And then, like the silly ones, just this week, I had one athlete text me about a book that I gave him for Christmas that he's reading. I had another athlete ask me um, for a book that he wants to read, and he says, I haven't read ever. And I had a third athlete send me an awesome selfie, shout out Thomas, um, of his library card that he got as a senior in high school because he wants to start reading. Reading. And the guys know that I love to read. I read all the time. I'm constantly talking about books. And so, okay, these kids look up to you, right? They're they're doing things outside of sport. 
because um, you're making it cool you're making yeah. it like hip to them and then they understand it and they see you know you're successful you love what you're doing you're passionate about what you're doing so like okay how can i emulate that like what can i do oh he likes reading books mitch likes reading, you know or uh coach davis i guess it would be you know likes reading books so like what can i do to be more like him or to uh you know they look up to you definitely yeah. yeah, you know it's it's funny you said Mitch or, or Coach Davis. It's it's hilarious. Um, I used to get so amped up like if, if if a young high school kid called you bro, like that's not a sign of respect. But my athletes will come in, they'll be like, hey, what's up, bro? Now nine times out of ten, they're calling me Coach Davis, and the respect is there. But when their guard is down and they're calling you bro, it, it they're so relaxed around you. And I think as coaches, we get in our own way so much that everything everything has to be military standard. Like, you will address me properly with a proper greeting of the day. High school kids go their entire lives being told what to do. If we want to make an impact for their health because they're going to learn fitness and carry it with them and their mental health, they probably just need someone in their life who's just willing to bro out with them. And again, I've already said it, but man, if if they know you respect them, they're not crossing any boundaries. They're not they're not calling you bro out of disrespect. Everything they're doing is respect because they're getting the respect. Yeah. You know, earlier on we talked about how the market is saturated, mm-hmm. a lot of strength and conditioning <laughs> coaches, whether they really are certified or right. have done the research, um, they're out there teaching student athletes, but then also, uh, you know, adults. Yep. And on top of that, there are these barriers to fitness at at all age ranges right mm-hmm. whether you're a young student athlete and you can't get to practice maybe you don't have transportation or yep. mom and dad doesn't want to take you or you have siblings and yep. well the older brother older sister they got to come first whatever it may be or the younger brother or sister mm-hmm. um and then as you get older you know you have your job or maybe you you can't drive but so let's talk about that let's talk about some of the barriers to fitness and then again just kind of hit hint on the saturation of coaches how do you know if a strength coach or conditioning coach is even qualified to be a coach. Like if like if I'm an adult and you know somebody says, "Okay, pay pay $100 a month for this membership and you can work out and do this." Like how how do you know if they're legit? Uh <clears throat> yeah, so that's kind of the impossible question in my realm because you can't just assume that someone with a degree knows what they're talking about, right? Um, the exercise physiologist, the, the PhD exercise physiologist who graduates dead last in his class mm-hmm. still has a PhD, right? right? And so you'll hear this argument all the time. We need some type of, of degree, bachelor's, master's, whatever it is. That's not it. In my experience, the coaches uh, who know what they're talking about are very good uh, at, number one, admitting that that at most we're just educated guessers because the human body is so complex. So if you're looking for a personal trainer or strength and conditioning coach and they're talking in, in absolutes, chances are they don't know what they're talking about. If they're telling you that you absolutely must do something this way or else, eh, chances are they probably don't know what they're talking about. Too often, I think, as coaches, we think that we have to step in and and be that person's savior, and we think that we have to overly critique and overly analyze. Um, I love the coaches who who get super concerned about the deadlift. Don't round round your back on the deadlift. Mm -hmm. World's greatest deadlifters 
have rounded back. If we were if we were built that fragile as humans, we would be extinct, right? And so the the coaches who talk about injury prevention, you can't prevent what is unpredictable. And so a lot of times it's the coaches who are telling you they're using scare tactics, right? And that's also how I get clients, right? If I can scare you into something and, oh, by the way, I have the solution, yeah, you're going to come running to me. So the great coaches, uh, unfortunately, get drowned out in a sea of all the BS because these coaches aren't trying to sell you on something you don't need. If you're a coach and you're wondering if another coach is, is a legit uh, dude or girl, uh, they're the ones who are very open to open discourse. They'll they'll have a conversation. Um, they'll admit that, hey, you might be right. I might be wrong, right? That's okay. Yeah. Um, they're always willing to have their, their, their biases challenged. The issue now, especially because of social media, is we don't follow people for how they think we follow them for what they think and we wind up siloing ourselves into whatever you can go religion politics yes. for my realm it's okay i'm gonna follow only the crossfit crowd or i'm gonna follow mm -hmm. only the powerlifting crowd or i'm gonna follow the only the crowd that definitely says that you can prevent injury right and it's so easy it's like a funnel you yeah just, yeah and it's so easy for me to, to, to start an idea in you than it is for a good coach to then come in and try to undo a lot oh, of I this stuff. I see what stuff. you're saying. Yeah. I've been coaching for 15 years, and there are, um, there are many, many clients, athletes, uh, members at gyms I coach at that it doesn't matter what I say as, as an expert with two master's degrees, yeah. more certifications than I know what to do with, almost a PhD, 15 years experience. The list goes on and on and on. Patting myself on the back here. Yes. Humble brag, right? You got to. Um, yeah, yeah. There's still people who will yeah. tell me I'm wrong, right? Yeah. Like, hey, uh, you can stretch if you want. There's not a whole lot of evidence that says it's really doing much for you. Every day they come in and stretch yeah. because somewhere along the line, someone told them they needed to do it's it. It's in their head. They needed yeah. to do it for X, Y, or Z, and now it's there. And, and now, on top of that, a good coach isn't trying to prove their point. I'm not saying to you, you're an idiot for stretching. Okay, right. You're building that relationship up front. You're taking your time. You understand nuance. You understand, hey, if this person loves to stretch and it's not chewing away at other important parts of their lives, I'm going to let them do it. And then maybe one day if they have that question, we can talk about it. So yeah. I see a lot of the not-so-good coaches just trying to dominate their relationship with their expertise. And oftentimes then, yeah, I wouldn't say you're too much of an expert, expert right? Yeah. So on the form, one of the questions was some of the things that motivate you. And I kind of like what you had for your answers. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to read them off and then we can talk about them. Yeah. Uh, embracing the unknown. Yeah. It is a chance to learn to prove yourself wrong and to grow. Uh, encouraging your athletes mm -hmm. uh, to have a sense of curiosity and wonderment about training and life. Mm -hmm. I, I love that curiosity, right? Talk a little bit about that, like embracing the unknown mm -hmm. and then being curious. Humans are hardwired to have answers. And so I hurt my back. The very first thing I'm going to do is start running through the list of why. So I'm deadlifting. Back starts to hurt. It's clearly the deadlift. Mm -hmm. Is it? 
Or is it the fact that I shoveled the driveway yesterday and carried in the groceries and I didn't sleep last night and I'm chronically stressed and, 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 and. And so um, a lot of times with many people who struggle with addiction, there's also obsessive compulsiveness. There's perfectionism. You need everything tidied, squared away. You need to know life's answers. Uh, And the point of life is to not figure out life. The point of life is to enjoy the passing of time. And man, how much of our lives is wasted just trying to know stuff that we don't really need to know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much anxiety surrounding the future. And um, once I got sober, I started reading a lot of the Stoics, and I started reading some great books. The Metamorphosis is a great one. The Stranger is a great one. Um, and really, the overall theme is that it is okay if you don't know. Again, Let's look at expertise, not that I'm an expert at life, but um, if you talk to experts, so they've studied this, um, experts are really good at not knowing. Yeah. Someone who is an expert is very good at understanding everything they don't know, right? So the more I go down the journey of this dissertation process, the more I'm realizing all of the stuff surrounding the coach-athlete relationship that I don't know, and to just be okay with that. But how much are we constantly seeking more, Mm -hmm. whether it's in possessions or or whatever? We always want more. Knowledge comes with that. I have to know the answer. For me, that just increased my addiction. But for a lot of individuals, it's just heightening anxiety. Uh, And man, life gets so boring then, right? Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, being curious and, Mm -hmm. and, and wonderment, you know, not only in the student athletes training, but in, in life, um, why do you think it's so important for athletes or anybody to be curious? At some point, adults decided that it just wasn't cool to play. Um, you have, what, two under two? Yeah. I, have, yeah. I have Wyatt. He's almost four. Man, his whole day is play. Oh, and sure. I've never heard him complain about the struggles of life. Mm-hmm. I build so many Legos now and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like it's just so much fun to play. And I'm obsessive compulsive. So when Wyatt and I first started playing with Legos, I had to build legitimate things. He now built, yeah, like it has to, if it's you a Star the rules, Wars, right? Yeah. Uh, plane, it's a Star Wars. Like you have to build it this way. Yeah. 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 And then Wyatt is like, no, you're wrong. Like, and he builds the most fan. I mean, I am truly blown away at just how creative he is. Um, today, he just he just told me a story this morning that there is actually a dinosaur that's still alive because when the meteor hit hit the Earth, it jumped, and so it didn't die. Nice. And it's like yeah. the, the creativity of a three year old yeah. is unbelievable. Couple that with the fact that. He's happy 24-7. Why as adults have we lost that? We go sledding now. Mm-hmm. I haven't sledded since, you know, middle school or whatever because it was dumb. It was boring. It was a waste of time. Sledding so much fun. And so whether you're a high school kid, high school kids, it's more because it's not cool, right? I'm not going to go sled. I'm not going to read I'm not yeah. going to read that yeah. book. The Hobbit, no, no one likes The Hobbit, right? Right, right? But then as adults, it's like, well, I have all of these other things I must do. Mm-hmm. And man, I mean, we talk about people who are just chronically stressed, overworked, or addicted to busyness. People get feel guilty resting. Um, side note: um, the the what are they? The the Seventh Day Advents mm-hmm. um, who rest on Sunday. They take the full Sabbath. Live ten years longer than the average American. 
because they've learned to rest. rest yeah. For those of you um, Christians, Jesus rested. Right. Right? He yeah. rested. And so uh, the resting is important, and part of rest is fun. Um, in my world, everyone wants the key to recovery. Mm-hmm. Right. Ice baths, saunas, the, the percussion massage, right? all, all of it, right? Stuff, yeah. You don't need to spend your money on more stuff. You need less stuff. You need less things. You need less busyness. Go hang out with your kid. Go pet your dog. Go allow yourself to take a nap. With your cats. Yeah. With your cats. Of course. Um, I'm probably getting a bigger dopamine hit from petting my cats than I would from taking an ice bath, right? And it costs me nothing. Um, so, so yeah, that this whole I, creativity and, and curiosity, um, somewhere along the line, we lost it, whether we think it's uncool or not important. Um, and, man, I just don't want to go the rest of my life being boring, right? Yeah. Uh, we we, we uh, make fun of my dad because uh, he'll babysit Wyatt twice a week, and we say it's two toddlers who are unsupervised, right? Because my mom goes off to work, <laughs> right. and my, dad, my dad's retired. He yeah. stays there. My dad sent us a video. I love it. Uh, they have a pellet stove, and my dad just let Wyatt take this entire bucket of pellets and just dump it on the floor. My dad's a smart dude. He's a clinical psychologist. He's right. the wisest man I've ever met. He's letting a toddler be a toddler. He's letting a toddler be creative, find things out. What happens when I dump this on the floor? And even better, he's having just as much fun. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And how, how often as parents are we like, oh my gosh, it's so messy. And I have That's to clean it That's where my mind up. went, right? You're <laughs> right? like, oh damn, I got to clean this right? up. Right? And think, about, think yeah. about the practice of stoicism and being in control of your emotions and letting go and embracing the unknown of watching a toddler dump thousands of pellets on your floor. Yeah. I would have damn near shit myself, right? <laughs> right, right. My dad's just like, we're going we're gonna to figure out what this leads to, right? Yeah. And man, I, I hope to get to that level of serenity and peace with the unknown one day. So again, dad, shout out, uh, you're the man, so. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Another thing on the uh, the forum you had mentioned, and, and normally I don't bring this up, but again, I really liked your your answers to the questions. Yeah. Um, and then we'll we'll get into the mentors. Yeah. And also talking about your business. I don't want to forget that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. So one of the questions was, what is your your biggest fear in life? Mm. And you know, your response was, the monsters we are most afraid of live rent free in our heads. It is my own internal dialogue that often gets the better of me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, you know, sixteen years as an addict, I hated myself, right? And so, um. How many times uh, do we have those uh, th- that internal dialogue of you know I'll show him or I got to be better than 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 her or you know this person hates me right H- How many times you know hey I sent this person a text they didn't answer me they must be mad at me Oh right? yeah 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 um, We just let the negative thoughts creep in um, and control us and I believe that number one I don't think there's enough love in this world. But I think that there's not enough love because of how afraid we are to extend it without getting it back. And so... Oh, I get what you're saying. Just today, I reached out to four of my buddies that I've met through life um, that I haven't spoken to in years. So on my way home, I felt that, you know, again, for those of you who aren't religious, I apologize, but I felt God was saying, hey, reach out to some of your buddies. Check in on them, right? Men need other men, right? Yeah. 
two of them got back to me. And man, that's a hard pill to swallow. Right. 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 But I have to keep doing it because if I'm going to preach loving your athletes, I have to put myself in those positions where I will extend love no matter what. A fun practice, which I've started to do in, in this year, this is sort of my resolution. Okay. Tell your homies you love them every day, every time you leave. It doesn't matter if you see just every time. Hey, I love you, man. I believe, especially for men, watch how hard that is for you to do. Because what if they don't say it back? That's, right. that's hard. That hurts. That hurts. And as a guy, it's like... I'm sure maybe and for women too, but from speaking from a guy's standpoint, that is hard, you know, because it's like you're you're putting your your heart into it, you know. You're you're like I, I love you, you know, and that's something I I've started doing now that I'm 32, getting older, and uh, you know, my brothers, my sisters. I have two sisters and a brother, all younger. Okay. I'm the oldest, okay. you know, and even even mom and dad, you know, hey, I'm on the phone, hey, I love you, you know. Yep. And I would never do that before, yep. you know what I mean? I uh, never would think about doing it, but. I don't know if it's age or just like you realize they're not going to, you know, not going to be there forever. You yeah. never know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler was a huge wake up call. Um, you yeah. know, I, I didn't get to tell Tyler one last time I loved him right now. I know that he knows that I loved him. Right. Cause yeah. I, and, and I've told him many times I love him, but I didn't have that one last, I love you, bro. Um, but yeah, so so tying in this 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 fear of others not loving us into it's all in our head, um, and we have to be able uh, to just let go of those. I think a lot of Americans get stoicism confused. True stoicism with with what we would say more like the German stoicism. The Germans are lack of emotion, right? right. You're very oh, yeah. straight faced, and nothing bothers me. True stoicism is being in control of your emotions. And so it is going back, it is enjoying the passing of time. It is letting go of the things I don't have control of, mm -hmm. but fully being present and in the moment. And so uh, you know, even as I actively work on this, I still find myself in, in alcoholic, uh, anonymous world. We, we call it stinking thinking. Um, you know, we're so hard on ourselves, right? Hey, quit your stinking thinking. Yeah. Um, but man, challenge yourself, take a day, uh, on your smartphone or, or a pad and count how many times you had a negative thought and then more so count how many of those negative thoughts you let expand upon themselves. You know, you, you, mm -hmm. you get in your car, you're commuting to work, turn on the music, it's nice and relaxing. All of a sudden, the mind loves to wander and it goes to some jackass from somewhere. Right. You just spent the last 10 minutes angry about something that happened months ago. And even worse, they have no idea. Right, right. You're doing it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. if we if we look at the works from a lot of these Stoics, a lot of it is just, okay, it's, it's not, hey, you should never have negative thoughts. It's I have this negative thought and I let it go. It's easy to say on a podcast. It's easy to, to read what they have to say and say, oh, these are smart guys. It's hard to put into practice. But I don't think there's too many people on their deathbed looking back being like, okay, this guy crossed me. This guy wronged me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? We're looking back and we're, and number one, all of the fun we had. And number two, a lot of people, it's, man, all of life I missed out on. And so yeah. Those opportunities, right? Yeah. Yeah. That if you would have just said... I love you or just done it, you know, let, let's, let's do it. You know, why not? Let's adventure. I've said on the podcast before, you know, it's, you really grow and live when you step outside your comfort zone, when you try something different, the podcast thing. I mean, 
totally different for me. Yeah. I do sales, but like, I never, I'm, I don't know any, any of this, you know, I'm just out here winging it and it's been so much fun. I've met so many cool people and, uh, you know, there, I'm sure there's other examples, but that just comes to my mind, but it's, it's living outside your comfort zone. That's when you can really grow and thrive, I think. And what's so cool about what you're doing, you specifically, not podcasting, what, what you're doing. Yeah. I don't think you care if you're good at this or not. Yeah. If more adults live that way, my gosh, we'd be a better society. Yeah. But if I'm going, I'm not going to pick up a hobby because I might not be good at it. Right. So oh, like yeah, yeah. my, I always joke with people, all right, the PhD is it. I'm done learning after this. Right. Mm-hmm. My wife's like, no, you're not. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to do something. Right. And so she says, why don't you learn an instrument? And, and immediately I'm like, well, I'm, I'm older and that that's going to be hard. And what if I'm not good at it? And then it's like, oh. Who cares if I'm not good at it? If yeah. it's fun, go do it. Why do we have to be an expert at everything that we try? So mm-hmm. this is phenomenal. You're great at what you do. But even if you sucked at what you did, I would hope that you're having a blast doing it. Exactly. And if more yes. humans yeah. live that way, we'd have less chronic boredom, less chronic stress, and we'd have more people who actually smile at you when you pass them walking and down say the hi. Road. You know, <laughs> just say hi to people. Like, yeah. But, oh, 100% because it's, like, th- to me, this is a creative outlet, you yeah. know. Um, right now, there's uh, there's no money, and I'm not looking for money. If it comes down the road, great. It's meeting new people like yourself. I mean, this is the first time we met, Yeah. you know, yeah. and I feel like I've known you for, <laughs> for forever. I mean, yeah, yeah. great personality, great vibes, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm no Joe Rogan, but... It's fun. I'm giving local people a platform to come on and talk. I mean, I've had a gentleman drive from New Jersey. He lives up in Boston, a Navy vet, phenomenal guy. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it goes further awesome. than just little old Lebanon County. Not that there's not some phenomenal people here with great stories. So it's fun. But, yeah, I'm, I'm no I'm no Joe Rogan. You know, I'm just Austin Sullivan, just doing my thing, having fun. Let's talk about, because we're kind of getting towards the end, but there's yeah. so much more. Your company, right, or your business, yeah. uh, Warbird Fitness. Yeah. Uh, how did that start, and what is it about? Okay, so um, we talked about my coach, Will. Uh, Will is one of my closest homies in the world. We love each other. Uh, I went out to visit him in Colorado one time. Um, our entire relationship is through texting, sending memes, him writing me programs, yeah, and and uh, we'll we'll zoom. Um, at least once a month, right? Um, but man, are we so close just because we've worked closely for so long. I don't just use Will for programming. Like I said, he's a doctor of physical therapy. If one of my athletes goes down with something outside of my um, scope of practice, hey, Will, what would you do here? So he's been phenomenal for me as a coach. Also, side note, if you're a coach, hire a coach. It does wonders for you because you learn what it's like to be a client. Um, anyway, Will and I are very like-minded. Neither of us is ever going to be that influencer. We're not going to push products that are just BS, right? And so since you can't call people you-know-whats, blanking you-know-whats on the internet, we needed a term for these influencer-esque, charlatan-esque coaches, and we landed on silly goose. Ah, you know, so if you're (laughs) posting something on your story... Hey, if your coach is is telling you that you have to stretch to prevent injury, they're a silly goose. We know what it meant, yeah. but the world says, okay, it's a silly goose, right? Yeah. And so um, 
as I sort of started building who I was as this coach who was anti-coaching, I was anti-trying to tell people what to do, Will says, man, we need we need another bird to fight these geese. What, do, do we do an eagle? I was like, nah, it's overplayed. It's like the falcon. He's like, dude, what do we do? I said, ah, I got it. 1932, the Great Emu War of Australia. So for those of you who don't know, yeah, the Great me. Emu War yeah. of 1932, Australia was being decimated by hundreds of thousands of emus that were just eating all their crops. Okay. So the government says, hey, we're going to activate the army, which was like four dudes and two machine guns, and <laughs> yeah. they mowed down these emus. Dang, but there were wow. so many of them that they just gave up. And so you can Wikipedia it. The emus won. What? And so this is the only bird that's Superior. ever won a damn war. Yeah. And I'm like, bro. Without even firing a shot. Yeah. We're the war emus now, right? Okay. Like, yeah, let's yeah. go. So it started out as this joke on uh, social media, on my on my Instagram page. And, and we would post about the, the, the emu war from, from time to time. And when I was out at Warwick, um, a lot of my athletes started, like, asking questions about about the emu right okay and yeah. so my wife made the war emu shirt um and the kids jumped all over there, like where can i get a shirt what like like this is awesome yeah. right and so uh we were we were in the weight room and uh every week um we would pick a, a lifter of the week and this had nothing to do with who lifted the most it was who's the guy showing up on time who's the guy staying late to clean who's the guy who's encouraging his buddies we just throw them up on twitter like hey here here's Here's our lifter of the week, which I told the guys, hey, lifter of the week doesn't sound cool. No. You guys come up with a name. I thought it was going to be like Weight Room Warrior because we're the Warriors, That's a right? Good one. Yeah, yeah, it for was sure. yeah. the War Emu of the week. The war emu so these kids week. took it and ran with it, right? And so I've always done remote coaching. I've always done the personal training. I've never had an LLC. I've never made it legit. And so I'm saying, okay, how do I make this legit? And, and what's the company name? I'm like, I can't, I can't name it the War Emu Fitness because it would just take me too long to explain to people. <laughs> what about Warbird Fitness? Yeah, it's and, got a nice ring. And now all of my athletes, they're Warbirds, like you know, it's funny. They're not a lot of my, a lot of my football guys, they're not Warwick warriors. They're Warwick warbirds. Like it, they love it. They've yeah. bought into it. And, and my, my remote clients, um, people who know me, people who, you know, follow along what I do, like they love being, uh, the warbird. So, um, yeah, just, it went from war emu to warbird. And now here we are warbird fitness. Um, but yeah, um, I can kind of get into what it is that I do. Um, if you would like, so yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely for sure. For sure. Yes. So yep. um, I'm a remote-based coach. Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, especially because of influencers and, hey, buy my programming for $49.99 a month. Right. Uh, this is this is one coach, one client. And so it's all app-based, but it starts with a consult. Me and the client get to know each other. And so I'm asking, what do they want? You know, are you a CrossFitter? Are you a power lifter? Are you uh, a grandma who works out at home um, from there? How many days a week do you want to train? Uh, what do you have access to? How much time? And so... I'm programming for them weekly, and it's having one coach and one client versus a program is great because life does not stop for us, and so all of a sudden, I get violently ill. Hey, Mitch, I can't train this week. Yeah. Cool. We just put in a bunch of rest days. Hey, uh, work said I got to go travel. I have a client over in Europe right now, and so he sent me um, a bunch of pictures of what he has access to over there. Hey, cool. We'll program for what you have access to. Um, 
it's it's not a templated hey here's your one month of work because uh humans are far more complex than that and so you know what did i see in week one okay now what's in week two hey week three we're still progressing week four we're still progressing why would i change the program if they're still getting benefits from it so hey we're going to extend this out now it's a five-week program six week hey now we're starting to plateau a little bit let's change a few things up uh but 15 years of doing this i consider myself a pretty decent programmer i would say i know the x's and o's of how to get someone fit and i can get them there um, safely and effectively but more so it's just connecting with them and so i am i am answering every time you finish a workout, uh, I'm going in, they can upload videos, um, they can ask questions, and so I'm commenting on something that day. Hey, I like where we're at. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, I like where we're at, like this is great. Other times, yeah. I mean, there's some times where it's paragraphs deep. They might have a super specific question on whatever it is. Hey, it hurts when I do this, why? Well, number one, we're gonna calm them down and let them know that it's nothing to worry about. Number two, hey, here's what the literature says. Mm-hmm. Here are some options that we can take. And then just constant checking in. Um, And then nutrition is involved. Um, So a lot of people are asking for nutrition advice. Uh, Stress management is involved. Um, And then once a month, uh, we sit down uh, via Zoom consult, which it's extremely important because now it's a face to the name and and, and you're getting closer. Um, And so eight years I've been a remote coach. The more you and a client communicate, the more likely they are to stay with you long term. It has very little to do. Yeah, listen, clients want progress. I know that. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, the leaps and bounds that we make in terms of progress slow way down. That's just what happens. That's physiology. And so they want someone who is in their corner, they want someone that they can turn to when work is being a tough son of a gun and they're missing workouts and you let them know that you understand countless clients hey i'm so sorry i missed the last two weeks dude i missed three months after we moved yeah and i'm a personal trainer Trainer, i didn't go and and my gym is in my house and i didn't go into my garage once. once yeah and so people just want that reassurance they want someone who's fighting for them in their corner not telling them what to do they have right. that with, yeah. with boss, with spouse, exactly, with your yeah. three-year-old telling you what to do, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I do in a nutshell outside of my coaching at Warwick. Um, I also do a handful of hours of um, CrossFit coaching simply because I love coaching in person and I love uh, the sport of CrossFit. So, Okay. Um, do you have a gym that you coach a CrossFit in? Uh, CrossFit or? Collective. I'm there for a handful, handful of hours every week. Um, I just started a month ago. Members there are great. Um but again, that's more just I'm um, scratching an itch. I love coaching in front of people. Yeah. Uh, if you're a remote client of mine listening, I love you too. But um, I also just love connecting face to face with you. That's kind of crazy because you're international technically, right? You have you have people yeah. overseas that you know. Yeah, yeah. Probably my favorite one was I had a, a Marine over stationed over in Japan, um, and so it'd be hilarious. He would just disappear for two weeks and be like, "Dude." Uh, they didn't tell us until last minute we had to go out in the field. I was like, yeah, I get it. No worries. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but it's cool. You're, you're navigating time zones. You know, right. he would, 
you know, he would message me in the middle of the night, which, you know, I'm not getting to, but I would get back, you know, during the day, I would message him. Um, I had a soldier over in Germany um, for a handful of months. um, And then he got switched over to another base where they didn't have access to equipment. And so, um, you know, it's cool. A lot of those curveballs come with when, when you have the military personnel from, you know, all over the world. But yeah, I've got clients, PA, uh, Virginia, California, um, Utah, there's a couple others, but you know, yeah. a lot of it's localized. I mean, I don't do a whole lot of advertising. I don't have the money to go up against these big time companies that can kind of do it nationwide. So, um, yeah, it's funny. I, I, I mentor quite a few coaches. I've just been doing, I've been doing this 15 years. And so a lot of coaches, don't do this long term. It's a hard industry yeah. because it's so saturated, and you don't get paid a whole lot. Um, and a lot of coaches, they fall victim to this this just all in on the posting, all in on the getting right. getting your brand out. Being an influencer, like yeah. And and all of coaches, they'll say like, how do you how 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 did you build your client roster? I was just good at what I did, mm-hmm. and my. My your clients are your biggest billboard, and oh, if they sure. like your product, yeah, hundred percent, they're gonna. So I can't tell you how many people I'll get a random phone call, and it's like, hey, I'm I'm Nevin's neighbor. Um, <laughs> you know, he was outside, and I was asking him, like, dude, you're fit. What do you do? Oh, hey, my coach Mitch. Here you go. Like, here's his number. Yeah. Um, that's ninety to ninety five percent of all clients I've ever had have come because someone liked what I did. So if you're a coach listening and you're posting a lot, take that time and go get to know your clients. Yeah. Right? Now, do you have a, uh, a website for Warbird Fitness or like how can, you know, people that might be listening reach out if they're interested and then also the merch, where can they get the shirt? <laughs> Which thank you, by the way, you brought me a shirt. We'll have yes. that on for photos. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. Um, so yes, um, as I mentioned, my, uh, rock of a wife uh she is also the rock of our business she handles all the back end stuff uh because if she didn't i would be broke uh because i don't know any of that stuff so she also uh did our website the website is warbirdfit.com it's still new um because i've never had to rely on a website it was all via my social media my instagram account um people would just uh direct message me hey i'm looking for training um on the website although it's it's still pretty archaic um you can go there you can click uh, the consultation link that will send you to my schedule and you can book your first consultation which is free um we sit down for an for about an hour and and we figure out if we'd be be a good fit and i believe that the merch is on the website um if not it will be soon but you can also buy it uh can't believe I'm saying this. Link in my bio. There we uh, go. <laughs> my life has. My wife put one of those. What is it? A link tree link or whatever. Tree, uh-huh. um, oh, yeah. So you can go there, and uh, it's as of right now, it's all on her Etsy account. Um, so there's sweatshirts and t-shirts. Um, so yeah, go 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 buy some merch. Uh, it helps my wife more than me, and she deserves all of the credit and all of all of uh all of our money right go go support go support the missus please well, the shirts you. are awesome i mean <laughs> again there'll be photos up on american Grown podcast facebook and instagram now um i know we sh- you shouted out so many mentors yeah but as we're starting to wrap it up is there any others you know that you'd like to to shout out and and give them some credit you know they helped you along your way yeah absolutely so um i'll start with roy smith um no relation to me but i call him uncle roy uh, Roy started Pennsylvania Counseling Services, for those of you who are um, from the local area. Uh, he and my dad met in graduate school, 
asked my dad if they wanted to be business partners. My dad said, nope, it would ruin the friendship. And my mom said, I'll do it. And so my entire family is, has worked uh, at PCS. Um, I was their landscaper. Uh, my wife worked there for a bit. That's how we met. But uh, Roy has been tremendously influential in my life. Uh, Roy, in his early days of psychology, learned the extremely important life lesson that people are going to burn you. And you can live your life assuming that everyone's going to burn you, or you can live your life with so much love and passion that you're going to assume no one burns you, and that when you do get burned, that's okay. And so that was a lesson that I heard him uh, speak so many times, but I didn't get it until I got sober. Person number two, uh, Carl. Carl was my, um, he was my therapist, my drug and alcohol therapist. Uh, dude, Carl, uh, speaking of Lord of the Rings, Carl, I'm pretty certain is Gandalf. Yeah. He's got the gray hair. He's got the beard. He just arrives when you need him most. Wow. Um, soft-spoken. Helm's Deep kind of scenario. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure he's fine with me saying this. Um, you know, he wears it on his sleeve. Carl was also um, an alcoholic, right? I think t- 25 years sober now. Whoa. Um, wow. Yeah. Kudos to, to Carl, yeah, right? shout out to Carl. Wow. Um, but Carl is fantastic at just being so willing to admit all of his weaknesses. Um, and he's so fantastic at just loving to hear people's stories and hearing their success. If anyone knows an alcoholic, they are, any addicts, are my favorite group of people because it does not matter how bad a fellow recovering alcoholic is doing. They might have slipped and stumbled and fell back into the booze. You show up to an AA meeting, a celebrate recovery meeting, and if you have a win, they are beyond pumped for you. It is an amazing culture of people who just want others to win at life. And Carl's at the top of that list. Um, my buddy Nevin, uh, Nevin Diefenbach, um, shout out Diefenbach potato chips. Go buy Diefenbach Ooh, potato chips. They're delicious. Barbecue, they're my favorite. I love their Savannah sweet onion, but Nevin decided to take them off the market. I've never heard of that. They were so great. I'd love to try one. We can't. Well, well I mean, if we, get a, if we get enough people to, to, yeah. to bitch and moan about it, you Let's might bring go. them back. Um, but yeah, my story with Nevin is wild. Um, I've been Nevin's coach for 10 years. So I started with just Excel documents. I would give him, you know, a month long program back in the day. And he yeah. would, he would, we went to the same gym and say, Hey, can I have another one? Fast forward now, 10 years later, I think like two days, three days, uh, in my, uh, uh, sobriety journey, Nevin's like, Hey, we're going to breakfast. It's mandatory. Like you don't have an option. Um, Nevin prayed for me and he said, dude, I love you. No matter what, I'm here for you. No judgment. And that's just, so, so Nevin is, Nevin and his wife, Rebecca are Wyatt's, um, guardians. So if life takes Jory and I, my son is going to live with a Diefenbox because of how amazing of a family they are. And it's so cool. Here we are. We were two dudes in the gym who got along. He found out as a trainer, started writing him programs. And now Nevin is my brother. He is yeah. family. His kids, his kids call me Uncle Mitch. Like yeah. what a cool story that started with fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nevin's, Nevin's definitely another one. Um, 
you know, I have to go back, uh, shout out to my dad again, just because, you know, I, I think I just need to end on my dad. Um, man, am I, man, am I blessed to have that, that man in my life. And so, um, my heart goes out to people who never had that, that relationship with their dad, because it's, it's truly special. Um, and if I get to be half as cool, half as loving, half as passionate as a dad to Wyatt as my dad was to me, uh, then Wyatt's going to be set up for success. Um, so love you, dad. Yeah. Shout out to Carl and Nevin. Uh, just want to let you guys know the mic's always open in case you ever want to be a guest on the American Grown Podcast. And I got a question for you. Yeah. If we were to call your father right now, do you think he'd pick up? Yeah, I think so. Would you be willing to call him right now? Yeah. You talk so much about him, I feel like it'd be a missed opportunity to not. He normally picks up. He might be having dinner. Come on, Dad. Yo, man. Hey, Dad. How are you? Let's go. I'm good. How about yourself? Good. Hey, I'm sitting here. I'm recording a podcast. It's on the American Grown podcast. And uh, I just, I, I probably talked about how great you were uh, too much. And so um, now, now the audience needs to, uh, to hear you talk and, and to uh, at least, uh, you at least get to, uh, now you're famous, right? Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, do you have any I'm questions? Famous. No, I was just going to say, hey, hey, Dad, just want to, uh, to say hi. My name's Austin and uh, your son, Mitch, phenomenal guy. First time meeting him and I uh, feel like I've known him forever and he's talked very highly of you. If you could give one word of, of wisdom to uh, the listeners, what would it be? Don't hurry. <laughs> Don't hurry. Okay. Yeah, that's the word of wisdom. It, it'll, it'll, it'll come soon enough. And in the meantime, if you're hurrying, then you miss the pleasure in life. There you go. I appreciate your time, sir. I just, just want to give you a call. Like you said your, your son spoke very highly of you, and uh, I thought <laughs> it'd be a missed, right. yeah, missed opportunity to not, to not uh, hear your voice and, uh, and uh, you know, have you on the podcast. All right, that's awesome, man. That's great. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, Dad, we'll we'll let you go. We're gonna we'll wrap up the podcast here, but I'm glad you picked up. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Hey, see you, Dad. Love you. Bye. Have a good evening. Bye. That's awesome. Oh, I'm sure he's confused. I'm gonna get a I'm gonna <laughs> get a message later. What were you doing? Why? What? What? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Where am I gonna be? Yeah. yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad he picked up. That's exactly how I figured your dad would sound. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's a supportive father for the, sure. He yeah. uh, in college he got the nickname the Wisdom Muffin. Okay. Because he doesn't say much, but when he does speak, it's wise. And so a muffin is, is bite-sized. Okay. So, wisdom yeah, muffin. my dad is the wisdom muffin. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to say it because, yeah, I'm not even going to go anymore. <laughs> we'll, we'll just end it on that. But So now, lastly, how can our listeners connect with you and follow along in your journey? Like I said, uh, warbirdfit.com. Um, please uh, be patient. It's still... Uh, still being built out by uh, jewelry um but uh the main one is just uh my social media account i'm only on instagram um i try to do uh, a pretty good job at keeping up with uh my stories and so uh my instagram account is dedicated to uh two things number one showing off the fun of life mainly through uh my son wyatt um, and all the adventures we have, but then also just, uh, what it means to be a coach. Um, and I, I try hard to, um, 
um, have the question and answers all the time. Um, I just did a very lengthy story today on um, ice baths and and blending sort of anecdotal experience with, uh, hey, here's what the literature says. And so um, I hope that if if you give me a follow, you find that I am the coach who is on your side, uh, because I think there's too many coaches that aren't on our side. Yeah, perfect. Uh, And then before we close out, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know? Oh, man, that's always such a good question. Um, Yeah, um, I think my dad's right. Slow down. Um, Slow down as much as you can. Uh, I think that if I could leave the listeners with one last thing, uh, more is not better. More is more. And in fact, less is better. Do less, spend less, think less, 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 less. I think your life will be a whole lot better off for it. And Mitch, the chair is always open. The mic's always open for you as well if we ever want to run a part two. Yeah. Um, Mitchell Davis, owner of Warbird Fitness and strength coach at Warwick High School on the American Grown Podcast in the Color Tech Creative Solutions Studios. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you. This was fantastic. I appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. To see photos of today's guests and more content, just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at americangrownpod at gmail.com. This episode was brought to you by these sponsors. Cleona Coffee Roasters is a small batch coffee roastery and coffee shop, veteran and first responder owned, community oriented, and roasted fresh to order. Now open inside 911 Rapid Response, Anvil, PA. Go to CleonaCoffeeRoasters.com to order online, see updated hours, and find where you can buy it close to you. Triggered 22 LLC, a veteran-owned apparel company. By purchasing a t-shirt, hat, or hoodie from Triggered 22, you're not only supporting a small business, but you're bringing awareness to veteran PTSD and suicide. Please, Help save the lives of those who fought for our freedoms. Visit Triggered22.com now and place your order. Let's help those suffering from invisible wounds.